This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. So we are continuing our journey with 60 Rolling Stones Part 2. Last time we talked a lot about how the band started the early years. We talked about the fact that they did a lot of covers of other people's music, and they were just trying to figure out what their own stride was. And the foundation that they had laid was the foundation on blues artists from the United States, Black artists in particular. And so this time, as we're going into part two, we'll continue where we left off. Their manager, Oldham, was really trying to get Mick Jagger and also Keith Richards to write their own songs and write their own music. So as they were collaborating, the single that went to number one in the UK and number nine in the US, the first one was called The Last Time. I think it was genuinely a shock to Mick Jagger and also to Keith Richards that they wrote something that went to number one. And one of the things I want to point out is because they were writing it and they were being true to who they were and being fully themselves, it went to number one because they were expressing their own authenticity. This song came to be known as the bridge song to them writing their own music after that point. And they still weren't totally sure that they could do it. However, in 1965 in May, they recorded a song that is still a huge hit for the Rolling Stones band. And that is, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And they released that in the summer of 1965. And if you think about the Rolling Stones, you can't think about them without that iconic song of, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. One of the things that I would say is that when they're at their most profound level of music, you will hear the blues sound. You'll hear the blues sound in the instruments and you'll hear the very strong rhythm section, such as what you will hear with most black artists that are really good to say have a strong rhythm section. And then the singing may often take more of a rock format. And it was that combination that was really powerful, blues and rock together in their own unique way. And that's what attracted me to the group as well, is the fact that they had that. And then plus there's this, for the time, their music was a little grittier. It was a heavier sound than what you often would hear. If you even compare them even to the Beatles, the Beatles was definitely more tame in comparison to what you would see with the Rolling Stones. In 1966, one of the innovations was that they came up with the first, what we might call today, music video. And it was directed by Peter Whitehead. That was an innovation for the time. If you think about the technology of 1966, you had to really piece some things together and use some elementary rudimentary equipment to come up with a music video. But they actually did do that. Also, in this part of the 60s, really started their heavier experimentation with drugs. So very often they would get hounded by the authorities over their recreational drug use. And there was even a raid at Richard's home and he got drug charges. He was charged with jail time. 
ended up doing probation and fines. And this was going on quite a bit with a number of the members. And at the amount of drugs involved at that time, they probably wouldn't even stop people for that amount of drugs today. But at that season in the 60s, you had a couple pills or something on you. That was enough to trigger an arrest uh, for drug possession. And this is really when things got really difficult for the band. We already mentioned that Brian Jones at some point here lost his life due to drug addiction and he died from that in 1969 and of course Mick Jagger and Keith Richards took on more of the lead uh, after uh, his death but then Keith Richards also got hooked on drugs and during the time that he was struggling with his drug addiction the band went through some tough seasons and that was during a time when a lot of the artists did some solo work and it was harder to do work together because Richards wasn't able to show up in the full way that he needed to show up during some of that time. And before all of that happened, they had some really successful hits. They had the Aftermath album, which was their first original album. That was in 1966. They came out with Jumping Jack Flash, the song in 68. Honky Tonk Woman came out in 1969. That's also very iconic for this band, the Rolling Stones. They also, um, their album Let It Bleed in 1969 was the first of five consecutive top albums that came out as well. So they were on a roll during this time. And you know, when you're on a roll and you're being very successful, that's usually when the devil gets busy. And that's when, you know, people start doing things they don't know are dangerous at the time. Like I said, all the drug involvement and so on and so forth. Yet, during this time, 1969, they were called the greatest rock and roll band in the world. And they also released their 1971 Sticky Fingers album, which was also a really big hit. And eventually, they brought in Mick Taylor to replace Brian Jones when he died. And then later, Mick Taylor would leave the band and then Ronnie Wood would replace him in 1974. So if we look at the lineup of the Rolling Stones Back then, when the, the band was sort of like in its heyday, you had Mick Jagger, Brian Jones, Keith Richards, Bill Wyman was the bassist, and then Charlie Watts was the drummer. And then now, if we think of the band today, we know that Charlie Watts, the drummer, died in, I think it was about 2019 or so that he died. So that leaves in, in the group today, you have Ronnie Wood, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and they have a new drummer uh, in the lineup. So dialing back a little bit, as they had their original recording contract with DECA record label, they were about to leave DECA at a point now that they're starting to get some traction on their own. And so the last big hurrah with DECA, they recorded Schoolboy Blues. They just wanted to get out of the label and they thought that the record label would hate that. And then they could easily just transition and get out. And so 1971 is when they did Sticky Fingers that I mentioned earlier, that was on their own label. And if you remember, there's this logo that has a mouth open and the tongue sticking out. That becomes then the logo uh, for the Rolling Stones. And that logo was recognized everywhere. It's been a part of their label that they started on their own. And they had another really iconic album in 72 called Exile on Main Street. It was number one in the U.S. and also the U.K. And what was interesting is they actually were in exile. I believe it was maybe in France, but they were somewhere because they were awaiting possible sentencing for some of their drug activity at that time. 
When they did their Voodoo Lounge tour, it was the highest grossing tour of all time. And they were, in 94, the first major act to broadcast over the internet. So again, thinking about technology, they did a 20-minute segment on the internet in 1994. I mentioned earlier that they are now approaching 80 years old. I was shocked to even think that they were near 80 because they still have tremendous energy. And most 80-year-olds are not on rock stages jumping around at such a high-intensity sort of a, a show. And they really are the only artist in the UK who had top hits in six different decades. So they've been going strong for a long time. And only the Beatles have surpassed them in number one hits on the UK charts. And some of the you know hits they had was Miss You, Don't Always Get What You Want. And if you try, sometimes you might get what you need is what part of that song says. That's an interesting message. I want to be your man, Angie, give me shelter, doom and gloom get off my cloud. These were some of the songs that were very popular. So since they're doing the 60 tour right now and traveling around for that, I found it interesting to think about what is Mick Jagger saying about it? And he's saying, you know, people in their seventies are really not meant to do rock and roll and to do this genre of music. And he said, they could easily, they have a lot of balance. They have balance. They've recorded as well. They could easily sit on a stool and quietly do a ballad in their shows. However, they don't do that. Since it's rock and they know rock is intense and has energy, they still keep the show energized. So what I want to review now is how are they doing that? Because how do you, when you're near 80 years old, still have the flexibility that Mick Jagger has, his ability to run up and down stairs effortlessly, his ability to strike poses that most people couldn't even do when they were young, and he's doing them at almost 80 years old. Here's what he says that is required, because he had heart surgery, he had a heart valve surgery in 2019. So most of the band members have had a few health challenges, some things going on. They had this history of drugs, smoking and drinking, maybe not the healthiest lifestyles. And so now they're starting to pay some of the price of that. So they have to operate really differently in this season in order to continue success. So to stay in shape on the exercise regimen, if you think you want to be a rock star at almost 80 years old, Mick Jaggers does regular yoga and a form of yoga called anti-gravity aerial yoga, where you're six feet up in the air doing all kinds of wild things. And it's quite dangerous because if you fall, you might land on your face. But he does that kind of a workout and he works out at least three hours a day for five to six days a week. He does the kind of training that is what you see with Olympic athletes. And his yoga coach was training some of those Olympic athletes. He also, when he's in a show, he might walk as much as 10 miles per show. That's a lot of miles. So in order to be ready and up for that, he also runs most days. And that could be up to eight miles. So sometimes he does shorter runs. Sometimes he does longer distance runs. When he's getting prepared for shows, 
he trains as though he's training for a marathon. And that's the level of exercise he's doing. So in addition to the yoga, in addition to the running, he also does cycling, kickboxing, and ballet. That's amazing. He also does ballet. He does weight training, not so much to bulk up, but more for his stamina. He's got a strong core to be able to do all of those workouts that he does on stage. And every day he's practicing dancing as well. Every day he's in the gym. So that's some of his physical regimen to be able to continue to do these rock shows at nearly 80 years old. As far as his diet, he's gotten real healthy with the diet, more organic food. He eats breakfast smoothies and he does so around 10 a.m. or after 10 a.m., not before if he's doing a show that day. He says if he eats the smoothie too much earlier than that, then it makes him too mellow for the show and that doesn't work. He also loads up on whole grain pasta, rice and beans, chicken and fish. And about four hours before a performance, he has a high pasta dish is what he'll eat just to get the energy and to be ready for the the show. Now, he also adds some supplements into his regimen. So vitamins A, C, D, E, cod liver oil, ginseng, ginkgo, biloba. And these things are known to help with endurance and also brain function. And because he's wanting to preserve his health at this season too, he didn't do this earlier in his life, but he's also now wearing earplugs during the shows so that he doesn't destroy his hearing. Keith Richards, after he cleaned up from drugs, no longer does drugs, doesn't drink alcohol anymore, doesn't smoke. And he says all the vices, he's gotten rid of all of them at this point. And he stopped smoking after 50 years of smoking. So that was significant. So they each do something to stay limber, to keep their joints warm and able to move. And in this season, they try to lead very clean lives. Not all the crazy stuff that they used to do when they were younger, because they probably wouldn't still be here. They might have died earlier. Or if they were still here, probably couldn't do what they do on the stage. So they're real serious about their craft. If they want to keep doing rock music, this is what it takes. And they've been willing to do what it takes to continue to be successful on the stage. So it's really been, you know, my pleasure so far to bring you two different segments about this iconic band, the Rolling Stones, and particularly with some emphasis on their leader, Mick Jagger, who's been with the group the entire 60 years. And so what are the business application pieces to what we've been talking about this time? Because there are some business application pieces for you as a corporate leader and executive. So number one for this segment, I would say it's finding your own voice, and having your own style. And as we sort of dovetail from last time, they went from the covers of others to now finding what is uniquely them and leveraging that and showing up in their full power, recognizing that they really could write songs and that those songs could go to number one on the charts. So when you think about, again, you in the workplace, when you're being truly authentically you, with your own gifts and passions, you too, metaphorically, can go to number one on the charts in your workplace as well, making your unique contribution. Number two, I would say, is reinvent. Reinvent yourself. Over the years and over the decades, they've had to shift 
Foundation remains the same. However, the manifestation of the foundation is different. If you listen to some of the music from the early 60s, that almost sounds a little bit more Beatles-like, if you will, and they've morphed and changed. Sometimes they went into more of an R&B sound with the blues. Sometimes they were into more of a hard rock, electric kind of psychedelic sound. And they've had different genres over the time, with the foundation being that unique mix of the blues and the rhythm section and rock all combined together. So you want to be able to reinvent. So when you think about your career and the stage where you are in your business, what does your company need right now? Where do you need to go with those gifts that you're bringing and with the foundation that you have so that you continue to be successful in different decades? Remember, the Rolling Stones, they've been successful for six decades. That's a lot of years, 60 years. Number three, I would say, is to learn from and grow from your mistakes and missteps. All of the drug action and so on they had earlier in their life, they even had some tax problems, which I didn't mention earlier in their careers as well. And they learned and figured out how to shelter their money better. They learned how to take care of their bodies better. And at this stage where they're seniors now, they're no longer into the wild life of drugs and the same way they were before. They recognize that if they want to continue to do what they love, some stuff doesn't fit anymore and it's got to go. So you want to ask yourself, what doesn't fit anymore? What's got to go? And if you keep doing it, it may jeopardize something that you really want to do And so it's better to get rid of the thing that is the superfluous thing that's not necessary so you can do more of what you really want to do. So many bands, so many acts, they kept their drugging lifestyle, their smoking lifestyle and all of this. And they're not here today to say we've been in business for six decades, for 60 years. It takes intention to be here for 60 years. And that's what we're looking at. So learn from those missteps earlier in your life, learn from those mistakes, know that what you could do without thinking about it, maybe not a lot of sleep, not a lot of taking care of yourself. You could still get on the stage and do all of this when you're near 80. It requires a rethinking and a reframing of how you show up. And number four, I would say spark energy for the long term. We talked about Mick Jagger's extensive routine to stay strong and to stay in shape. He doesn't just get up every morning and do a stretch or two. Hours a day to perfect his craft, to be ready to do the work that he's called to do. So if you're going to do something, be serious about it and really excellent about it. Do what you have to do. And that's what he's talking about. He wants to be, and he is still at the top of his game. He's still got energy, zest, passion for life. And part of it is due to the self-care, both for him and also the team members taking care of themselves. And so what are you doing as an executive to take care of the temple, the body that you have, the temple of the Holy Spirit? And how are you modeling that for your team members and also encouraging them to do the same thing? Even in business, We have performances that we show up for. We have extensive travel sometimes that's international. We're at high paces with long days and long meetings and so on and so forth. And you may love what you do, yet what are you doing 
so that you can continue to do what you love for the entirety of your life. So that sparking energy is huge, not only for the Rolling Stones, also for you as a corporate executive. And then number five, I would say, create your legacy. And your legacy is all the uniqueness we've been talking about, is what you're leaving for posterity to sample, to experience and see after you're gone, is how you're building into other people, ways you may have mentored them along the way, the examples that you've left. And in the case of the Rolling Stones, I mentioned early on in episode one, they also were very involved in charitable concerts and benefit concerts, caring about what was going to happen with other people as well. That's part of their legacy. Now, I would say this, as a marketplace ministry leader, as a Christian executive, your legacy is not only the temporal part, what happens on this earth, including the temporal part of what happens on the earth after you personally are gone, but you've passed some things on to others. That's all still the temporal part. That's all part of what happens here under the sun before we die. As a Christian marketplace leader, you also must think about the eternal legacy. What are you doing to ensure that you will be there for the eternal part of your life in the presence of God? What are you doing to ensure that those you love and care about will also be there for the eternal part of their life in the presence of God. So for us, legacy is not only temporal, legacy is also eternal, and it's what we're doing in eternity that counts. And I'm thinking about in 1 Corinthians, I think it's about the ninth chapter, there's some verses here that relate to this, and it's Paul talking about how people strive to win a crown and a prize. And he says, do you not know that those who run in the race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So he's saying these athletes, these people are competing for an earthly prize, and they do a lot of work to participate in that competition. The crown that they're getting is a perishable crown, and yet they're running this race, they're disciplining their bodies in the ways that I've been talking about that Mick Jagger and his team members do. And you as an executive, you want to do that for your physical temple also. And you want to remember that the crown that we're really going for is an imperishable crown because you are a member of the royal priesthood of God. And that has eternal implications. And so even now, as the Rolling Stones are being more temperate in all things. I'm hoping that in this season, not only are they thinking about their temporal legacy, that they're thinking about their eternity and that legacy and where they're going to spend that time and the preparation for it. And it's not too late to prepare for that time. It's not too late to deepen 
the connection and relationship with God. Because guess what? We all are going to have to answer to God about how we spent our time here and how we use the gifts that he's given us in this place. I would also say that with the Rolling Stones, during some of those years, particularly when drugs was an interference, it interfered with relationships. There were notes in the tabloids about Richards and and Mick Jagger maybe having fallings out and so on and so forth. But the bottom line is this. They go all the way back to about 1950. They did not allow any of these things to permanently disrupt their relationship. And when Richards got sober again, they started working and collaborating more together again at that point. And what they would say now is that they are still tight. And what Richards would say about it is that the relationship is solid. He says, we both know that we have to count on each other. In a show, just like in a jazz composition, they are improvising. They're riffing back and forth off of one another. So they have to stay in tune. And so he says, I have mixed back and he has mine every night of our performance for this improvisation. It's a beautiful jostling together and it's a beautiful support that they have together. So even when we run into challenges on the road and difficulties, love is still the cement in the relationship that keeps us together. You don't throw away the people who've been meaningful to you over decades, over all of these years. They still remain good friends and they still perform together and they're out there together on the 60 tour now, which is a wonderful blessing. And I'm so glad they have that opportunity to do it. The other bonus thing I would say that we can learn from the Rolling Stones, and Keith Richards says this as well, through everything that's happened in their lives, because they really are rock and roll artists, they understand that you've got to roll with the punches, because this is rock and roll, where you roll with the punches, and they both get that, they both understand that. So if I recap everything that we've been talking about, show one, show two, number one, follow your gifts and passion, study the powerful icons in your industry and in your field, establish valuable partnerships with people who are different from you, bring different abilities, complementary skills so you can collaborate together, leverage the opportunities that come your way, create your own style, evolve to your own distinction. And then number six, Find your own voice, your home, your true style. Seven, reinvent yourself regularly because the world is dynamic. The world's changing. It's different. And for you to be relevant, you've got to reinvent. And then eight would be learn from and grow from your mistakes and missteps. None of us are going to show up perfectly all the time. Like I said, their first U.S. store was described by some as a disaster. Did they learn from it? Yes. Did they go on and continue to be great? Absolutely. And then number nine, spark energy for the long term. You're going to need that energy to continue to show up powerfully in your life. And if you still have that energy, you can have your retirement the way you want it. Because guess what? It may not be retirement at all. You may still have the pleasure of enjoying what you do every day because you've taken care of yourself along the way. And then the 10th point being create 
your own legacy. And I would encourage you, not only for the temporal legacy, but for the eternal legacy, this life is coming to a close. And the Rolling Stones, being close to 80 right now, they are closer to the end than they are to the beginning. And that's true for each of us. We are closer to our end than we are to our beginning. So it's time to think about eternal legacy as well. So I want to close with Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, and I will read the first few verses. And it says, to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. So enjoy the growing season, plant in season, reap a bountiful harvest. Enjoy the time that you're in now. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.